everybody, and welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jesse, and I'm Michelle, and Happy Valentine's Day! Almost, almost, almost. <laughs> um, so, in today's episode, we are celebrating love. We're celebrating the upcoming Valentine's Day. Unless you're listening to this on Valentine's Day, which, hello, Happy Valentine's Day to you! But we're excited. Uh, today's episode, we're calling secret and not so secret lovers so we're kind of looking at some different um you know our our classic figures in music history and then some living people and just kind of you know talking about love talking about different experiences and uh yeah we've been wanting to do this episode for for a long time and so we're excited we we have an excuse to do it oh yeah and there are so many interesting and weird love stories that we don't get to talk about in music history because they're not they're not necessarily relevant to the history part of music history, but they're relevant to me. The gossip is needed. <laughs> oh, yeah. The cheese may Gotta have it. But uh, since uh, we're, we're getting, getting ready for Valentine's Day, uh, Jesse, do you have any plans? I actually don't. I'm so lazy. Um, <laughs> we, might be, we might be going to a cat cafe because that's my favorite thing to do. Who's the Valentine then? Your, bro- your boyfriend or the cats? The cats. <laughs> Yeah. For sure, the cats. Good answer. <laughs> what about yeah. you? Do you have any plans? Uh, my sister is quite the little party planner, so she's throwing a whole little shindig. So we're Aww. all getting together, having like a movie night and lots of desserts. And I'll probably be sugar sick, and I absolutely cannot wait. <laughs> very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> um, as, a, as a fun little update, the Michelle has already lived through in real time for me uh, an update on... <laughs> the guy I met through this podcast two years ago. A real uh, a real success story for us as a podcast, yeah. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you want to hear more of that story, it's on our past, like, I think, two Valentine's Day episodes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, no matter how long you've been dating someone, they'll just absolutely shock you. I love to cook, and I was working on a recipe that called for poached eggs, and I've never been particularly good at poaching eggs. So I was watching like little tutorial videos, and I laughed. I laughed, and I showed one of my botched ones to Gabe, and I was just like, "I just can't get these right. Like, I I don't get like what I'm doing wrong." And Gabe was like, "Oh, I'm great at poaching eggs," and like Gabe's <laughs> Gabe's an okay cook. He's not a bad cook, but poaching eggs is like a kind of a tricky thing. And so I was a little surprised because he's a he's a meal prepper kind of guy. You know, so he just like bulk cooks chicken and stuff in sheet pans. And I was like, sure, you can, bud. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, <laughs> Gabe walks into the kitchen. He's like, oh, you want me to show you how I poach eggs? And I kid you not, he poaches four eggs at the same time flawlessly. That is actual sorcery. <laughs> like, just no problem at all. Just dumps four eggs in there. They all come out perfect. Perfect little ovals with perfect yolks. It's I lost my mind. <laughs> I like, love it. From where? From what? Like I'm sitting here watching tutorials. It's like swirl the pot, put in vinegar, like to to create a protein barrier around it. And Gabe's just like, I just put it in. I love it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it mentally broke me. I absolutely love it. Um, and Michelle had to live through that in real time. But I I he taught me. Now I can poach eggs too. <laughs> New skill unlocked. But it, it's yeah. just, I love when stuff like that happens because you never, you never fully know anybody, do you? You never know who's an expert egg poacher out of nowhere. 
no it's okay it, this exact same thing happened to me like two days ago with my boyfriend where we were looking at uh somebody sent us some sheet music for a duet that we could do at our church and i was like cool so he was playing through it on the piano and we were singing along having a good time and he was like i love this this song i used to play it on guitar all the time and i was like <laughs> wait you don't play the guitar do you and he was like yeah i can play the guitar and I was like, no, there's no way. There's like, we, we would have talked about this almost four <laughs> years into our relationship, considering we do music together every week. Like, there's no way. Like, you're joking. And he's like, I mean, I'm not like a great guitar player, but like, I pretty much know all the basic chords that I would need to, to know to be able to, to play, like, you know, simple songs. I was like, unbelievable. Just mind blown. Yeah. So I got to find a guitar somewhere, got to borrow one from somebody so I can. <laughs> He needs to prove it to me, to be honest. (laughs) Well, that's the best part of it is you don't have a guitar in your house. No. So I need to go. uh, Maybe I'll take one from my cousin. He has like five. (laughs) I'm like. uh, At the Valentine's Day party. Make him serenade you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you really never know anybody. (laughs) That's that's just a fact. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Well. We have a couple of announcements uh, before we get rolling into these into these stories. So first and foremost, as we've kind of been previewing on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, we are going to be reintroducing our movie nights and our game nights. So on Saturday, February 25th, we're still kind of determining the time. We're going to be voting on it in our Discord. So jump over there if you want to be a part of it. But um, we'll be pitching a couple different movie options and we all get together. It's streamed online um, and we can all chat and it's it's a lot of fun. I think we're going to pick something exciting and, and upbeat, maybe not even necessarily like an opera, but just opera adjacent as oh, our first I'm kickoff back into it. Absolutely. Looking at some like movies that are based off of operas, <laughs> including some really atrocious looking rom-coms. Yeah. I mean, even Jesse and I had a great time um, watching just the entire White Lotus series and kind of getting glimpses in season two of, you know, what to expect. And no spoilers, Jesse, but uh, you can definitely know what's what's happening if you're familiar with your opera arias. But uh, who knows what we'll watch. But it'll be a really good time. That's, again, on Saturday, February 25th. So um, if you need the link, uh, DM us on Instagram at Opera Offstage or jump in our Discord. The link's there. And uh, it'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Also, if anybody knows what recording they used for the Madam Butterfly portion of White Lotus, please message me. I am struggling. I've seen several listed, but I don't think it's any of them. Thanks. <laughs> it's well, because the one, the one you looked up, you said was like Maria Callas later in life, but it doesn't sound like her. It doesn't sound like the, the updated recording of it, though. And yeah. I, it just doesn't sound like her. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, hit me up know that if anybody, I know one of you weirdos knows like every recording of that Aria. <laughs> Text me. <laughs> also, oh, very important, we have a poll up on our Instagram about did Brahms and Clara get it on, yes or no? And we're going to debate that at the top of this episode. So wait a little bit, listen to my argument, and then vote. Don't listen to um, Michelle. She's lying. <laughs> no. Well, well why, why don't you start us off, Jesse? Because the truth of the matter is lots of people think that they did. So let, let's hear your argument as listen. to why you're no, going against popular, popular opinion. Popular opinion. <laughs> because everybody would prefer to think that they got together and they were deeply in love. 
I don't think Brahms and Clara had sex. Okay. I think they loved each other very deeply. But here's my problem with the concept that like Brahms and Clara were actually getting it on. All right. Throughout okay. his entire life, Brahms does not seek out meaningful relationships. Okay. He, he's known for the fact that he frequented prostitutes like all the time. Okay. He's a consumer and of prostitution. He's one a consumer of prostitution. A classic move. But uh uh completely threw my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> like his attitude towards women in general was so bad that like some people just write him up as a misogynist. And it has to do with the fact that when he was a little kid, he supposedly was playing in whorehouses, essentially. And so there were women who were flirting with him and touching him while he played, and it gave him a really disgusted outlook on women in general mm-hmm. and especially weird feelings about sex, which is why he wasn't sleeping with married women. He wasn't sleeping with unmarried women. He was specifically seeking out prostitutes. And that's why I don't think he slept with Clara. I think he had like a Madonna and the whore complex. I think if he had slept with her, it would have ruined how he felt about her because I don't think he could view sex that way. I don't think he viewed sex as an expression of love. And he did love Clara. And that's the thing. He couldn't stand viewing her in the same way that he viewed prostitutes. And I also just don't think Brahms would have risked one of the most stable relationships in his life. He was so deeply, deeply infatuated with both of the Schumanns, right? Like, these are very important figures because Brahms is incredibly uh, unsure of himself all through his career to the point where, like, Everything pre-age 19, he burned, which is like 20-some-odd string quartets, like a number of pieces that he got rid of just because he didn't want anyone to think he had ever composed them. He's just... (laughs) I don't think he would have risked having sex with Clara and ruining their relationship. On top of that, Clara, in her letters, never seems to edge on romantic, right? So... Even though, you know, Brahms will say some fairly romantic stuff in his letters, she, in, like, letters to her kids and letters to him, always, always is using the name friend. Like, here's a direct quote. He came, like a true friend, to share all my sorrow. He strengthened the heart that threatened to break. He uplifted my mind. He cheered my spirit whenever and wherever he could. In short, he was my friend in the fullest sense of the word. And that's not how you talk about someone who you were romantically involved with. I don't know. (laughs) I have always considered myself so fortunate to be able to be to you a friend who understands you and who is in a position to recognize your value as a musician and as a man. Like, she always is using the word friend. Very, I think, specifically. Her special I'm not saying... I think this is the problem (laughs) of not recognizing non-romantic and sexual types of love. And maybe they were even romantically in love. I wouldn't necessarily deny that but I don't think they had sex because I think sex for them would have ruined it I don't think Clara necessarily wanted to sleep with people after her husband died I mean she certainly deeply deeply loved Schumann uh and she didn't move on with anyone else either yeah and like I said Brahms never was able to get into a serious relationship he gets engaged he has one musical failure and he tells this woman he loves her but he can't be tied down so I just, I don't think he would have risked his relationship in any sense. Yeah. And if anything, I think Brahms's devastation after Clara dies is because he never did fully express how he felt 
for for the sake of keeping their friendship alive. Yeah, I am not so sure. <laughs> because, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, where's your where's your impressive examples of them actually having sex? Well, where's, but that's where's not, the well, sexual that's not necessarily. That's not huh? necessarily what we're debating. I thought that we were debating, you know, was there like true romantic feelings? Not necessarily like were they physical? I personally believe <laughs> I'm based sorry. on I would like to read directly from the outline for this episode. Did Brahms and Clara get it on? Yes or nah? <laughs> okay, I do think that they probably got some on, but not maybe fully on. Okay. I'm not talking about Over like the reaching. Clothes. Yeah, what, I'm not talking about the base. Do you think Clara and Brahms got to? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. At least like <laughs> second. I don't know. I think that some spicy things happen and that's why they kind of go their separate ways after the little um, time that they spend in Switzerland together with their family. I I have to think that something happened, that there was some sort of crossing of the line that they were both like, maybe they did something. You know, I'm not saying like full on getting it on, but I think that something happened. Maybe they kissed. Maybe it was something more. And both of them, like, realized that it was not going to work. You know what I mean? And then they were like, whoa, we've crossed a line. We are friends, even though we're kind of in love with each other in this different kind of way. Um, Honestly, I think that they did romantically love each other and then just never really were able to get the physical side of things on board. But I'm telling you, I mean, Brahms wrote to his friend that I often have to restrain myself forcibly from just quietly putting my arms around her. Like... And even Clara wrote in her diary that that she loves him. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, there's definitely some love going on. I definitely don't think that they made it all the way. But I definitely <laughs> think that something <laughs> something happened. You know what I mean? I don't, think they, honestly, I don't think they ever fully crossed that boundary. I don't think I don't th- they... I don't think so either. I think that's fair. But I definitely think some stuff happened. <laughs> something. Like I, little... I really don't think much more than kissing ever happened between them. And like kissing is such a normal form of greeting at the time. So I don't think anything more than maybe a very passionate kiss happened between these two, honestly. I would agree that there was probably some confession or something that led to them separating. I, I would agree with you there. But I, I don't think anything really we would now consider sexual. <laughs> like sure. a, a hot and heavy makeout, maybe. But yeah. uh, I, I don't, I just don't think they would have risked it. And like I said, it's hard to define where the lines between platonic, romantic, and sexual love all exist. <laughs> and I'm not saying oh, that no. I think... I don't think that Brahms wasn't sexually attracted <laughs> to Clara. I'm just saying I think his feelings about women in general would have stopped him from having sex with her. I don't think so. I think he would have tried to at, 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 if he had the chance. I honestly... I feel like they started making out things were getting... Things were getting spicy, and Clara was like, actually, no. And I also just like, don't think to. any of their... None of their letters read to me like two people who have slept with one another. That's fair. Yeah, I've like, read. I've read some composers' letters. Like, yeah, no, that's true. And we're gonna read some letters in a and bit. And two but... people who write such passionate music would not hold back if they were if they were getting it on. All right, so I guess I guess the new poll we have to post is what base do you think Clara and Schumann got to? I'm saying they stayed safely. I I don't know if kissing is even leaving. Is a bunt. I don't know what the bases are anymore. <laughs> All I'm saying, so, but like, there's also the argument that like they were always friends and it was strictly friends and there weren't like really romantic like feelings. And that people, you know, when they say I love him, that she means it more like a friend, that he means it more as like the two confidants. That to me is BS. They were totally in love for sure, for sure. The vibes, come on. I, How could you ignore uh, here's the, vibes? the thing. 
un <laughs> unironically and un like I think I think Brahms was definitely romantically in love with Clara. I cannot tell if Clara was romantically in love with Brahms. I think she loves him deeply. I think she has an intense relationship with him. But I don't necessarily categorize that as romantic. I think people do have close relationships with people who they don't want to be with in that sense. There are people who live together their entire lives platonically. I mean, I think this is just another example of the ways that we prioritize romantic love over other important <laughs> types of love, like platonic. Just saying. Don't, um, don't make romance true. the center of your whole life. <laughs> true in general, uh, ignoring the vibes in this, can- in this <laughs> circumstance. <laughs> But this is something that you and I could discuss literally all day. We so could let's get go into, on forever. Let's get into people who were um, actually involved for sure. Yeah, I'm super excited because I could also go on forever about this. This was originally about both of the Maulers, but now it's just about Alma Mahler. <laughs> it's so hard for me to say no her name. Joke. I want to call her Alma Mater. Alma Mater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so dumbly. Um, yeah, no, I could talk about her for hours. She is, first of all, she is Vienna's manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> 100%. <She is laughs> she's the OG. So Alma Mahler, like, she is involved with so many artists in Vienna at the same time. <laughs> all the time. Right? Work in the scene. Love it. Oh, yeah. Which, like, very bohemian of them. But uh, so her first kiss is with Klimt. Gustav Klimt. Who, if you don't think you know him, you do. Uh, Google the kiss, Klimt. You'll recognize his art. I don't think that's her in that painting, though a lot of his paintings do look like her. But there's a very similar muse that he had at the same time. So starting off strong, she's already dating probably one of the most famous painters to come out of Vienna, right? Love it. Starting starting off high. She herself is an artist. So from a young age, she's composing. She's playing piano, right? She's got her own thing going on. And she's also very outgoing and a socialite. So she starts taking lessons. This one just makes me sad and makes me laugh. So she had a passion for music. So she starts studying under uh, Zemlinsky, who is also deeply in love with her, um, <laughs> but who, who she described as a hideous gnome. And I want you to know that I, I, though I'm, I'm not going to look up a picture of him, though I'm sure I could find one. Uh, he felt that so deeply that in like 1910, 1912, 13, he had someone write a libretto about like the misfortune of being an ugly man. Oh my gosh. I mean, he felt, that's an he ugly felt that gnome. on a deep level. Because around the same time, she meets Mahler, okay? Oh. And she she starts to fall in love. And so he he just loses her to another composer, which rough but but also she wrote some weird stuff where she basically said like she was also like deeply intrigued by how ugly he was like she was a little turned on by it which very oh my strange. god oh yeah but anyway insult to injury after <laughs> she meets smaller and this this makes me laugh so freaking hard um so she meets smaller falls in love like has always she throughout her life you notice like she's really attracted to like very artistic ambitious people Mahler basically says, there can only be one artist in this relationship. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Like, immediately. Which is so Not funny the toxic to me, because, marriage. Because, like, isn't, isn't the passion uh, that people have for what they do, like, what's attractive about them in the first place? And he's like, absolutely not. 
I there is only me, myself, and I. Thanks. Only room for one diva. Yeah, no, I, I've got I got a little letter to read you. So Mahler writes to Alma, uh, "How do you how do you imagine both wife and husband as composers? Do you have any idea how ridiculous and subsequently how much an idiosyncratic rivalry must oh must end up dragging us both down?" And she writes, "Oh my gosh." He thinks nothing of my art and thinks a great deal of his own. And I think nothing of his art and a great deal of my own. That's how it is. <laughs> Ooh, tell him, sister. Dang. Um, but Alma does give up music. And no, people think that that eventually leads to her having an affair with, uh, with Walter Gropius, which is the worst last name. That is bad. But who, <laughs> who later is going to become her second husband. And I think that's relevant, right? So, obviously, Gustav, being in Viennese society, hears about his wife having an affair. This is not something you're able to keep much of a secret. Also, Gropius uh, wrote a letter to him that was actually for <laughs> actually for uh, Alma. So he basically did the thing where you send a text purposely and you go, "Oops, wrong person." Stop. Toxic. Oh, I love the I love the the pettiness of it all. Yeah, it's like he writes a whole letter and then you accidentally address it to the husband. Yeah, sure, my friend. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Gustav is heartbroken. He wants to fix his marriage. Who do you go to at Vienna this time if you need, you know, psychiatric help? Well, you go to Freud. <laughs> Classic. Oh, God. <laughs> right? So he goes to Freud. They have a marriage counseling session with Freud where, oh, what would Freud su- suggest? Yeah, you're, you got it. Freud says... That his wife is having an affair because Walter Gropius and Alma, they remind each other of each other's respective parents. Because that's nice. the only thing Freud could think about. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Freud was like, he reminds you of your dad and you want to sleep with him. And it's like, I, I don't know if that's the problem. Um, <laughs> he said, throw a bandage on it. <laughs> right? But eventually they get to the heart of the problem, which is, my husband doesn't support any of my artistic ambitions and he's immensely controlling and rude. Um, <laughs> and that did eventually improve their relationship. And before Mahler passes, he does um, invest himself a little bit in Alma's work and help her publish some lead. So he, he comes around to the idea and I, I think he took therapy to heart. So everyone should try couples therapy, really. Um, maybe not with wow. Freud. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much Sigmund really d- helped. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but maybe his advice was so strange that they managed to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. Very possible. But anyway, she does end up, right after he dies, <laughs> marrying the man she had an affair with. After she ends a separate relationship that she's having uh, <laughs> with a painter whose name is Kokoschka. Okay? Oh, and I, I forgot to say, but Walter Gropius uh, was also, he was an architect um, and one of like the founders of the Bauhaus movement. Oh. Very fun painting style. Very ugly architecture. Uh, hey, my he got summer. one thing right. Don't don't at me. Look at that. You can't tell me that's a pretty building. <laughs> I, I just I hope we don't have like that... architecture stands. In the, yeah, exactly. The um, I just appreciate the fact that um, Alma's out here truly wheeling and dealing. Oh yeah, she's like, yes, I love my husband, but it doesn't mean I don't have a few relationships going at the same time. Yeah. Right, and it probably also didn't help that Mahler was, like, a much more reclusive person. Reclusive might not be the word. He's introverted, and she's very much every bit the socialite, 
right? But it's exactly, she is the manic pixie dream girl, right? She's got all these passions and everything, but they're all secondary to the passions of the men in her life. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. love her, but they don't want her to be her once they're in a relationship. Classic. Right. Anyway. Classic. (laughs) The downfall of any marriage. But this relationship with Kokoschka is important for one reason and one reason only. So Kokoschka is a painter. They described him as enfant terrible, which just cracks me up. Um, But he was violent and unbridled and a beast is how he was described. Yikes. Yeah, truly every bit like the the crazy artist um, and that he was like really given over to jealousy and everything. And so you get the idea. But after she leaves him and her marriage with Gropius is announced, he commissions a life-size doll of her. Now, whether or not this is a sex doll, I can't say, but I would say I'm going to post some censored pictures of it. And I would say it probably falls into the sex dog category. It's a little explicit. Um, also, hilariously, it is the wrong texture. It is very fuzzy looking. Yeah, she's fluffy. They gave her fur, like full body fur. For the sake of not getting banned on Instagram, I'm going to post censored photos on our Discord. It's so <laughs> scary, you guys. And I will, I, will in fact, <laughs> I will, in fact, also throw a... Uh, a spoilers like block over it so you can click to see it <laughs> yeah it's cursed it's, it's something that i never needed very to know scary about. <laughs> and the posed the posed photographs we have of it make it so much worse but here's something i didn't realize until later so he has this doll for a long time and he eventually throws a party where it is the guest of honor in which he then beheads it and pours a bottle oh of wine God. on it bottle of red oh wine God. um so i'm gonna say she made the right decision on which partner she chose post-husband's death. I think oh. she took the safe bet on that one. Yeah. She, has, yeah. she has one more husband after that, by the way. She's got three. Um, but the other thing that I love about Alma is, if you've ever studied the history of Mahler, then you know that we have a thing called the Alma problem, <laughs> which is that Alma Mahler completely edited the history of Mahler to make herself look good, like she was simply the victim of a very controlling and evil husband. Like, erased many of the good things. She would edit his letters together. She would destroy correspondence between Mahler and people she didn't like and therefore didn't want to be a part of her history. (laughs) But she truly, she originated girl boss gatekeep gaslight. Literally. Yeah, she gaslit historians. (laughs) She's literally, like, both. Just talk about two individually kind of toxic people being married and just recipe for disaster. Alma is just so funny because when you look her up, like we were looking at lists of relationships and everything and it listed her, like it would have, you know, some like classic ones like Barbara and Minotti. And then it said Alma Mahler or Alma Schindler as she was known uh, and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like, I like Alma uh, Mahler because it feels very Scott Pilgrim, like Alma Mahler against the world. Oh yeah, like very. You know, well, she all she of her easily she easily had seven evil exes. I'll tell you what, uh, Alma yeah. Mahler did not play. Yeah. So nope. anyway, that's a short and non-specific history of Alma Mahler and girl boss in the best she can through life, composer and femme fatale of the Viennese. Oh gosh. Well, I have a similar story of another figure, but I'm gonna. I playfully title this relationship and interaction as a story of shooting your shot in front of your wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, a notoriously introduce... fraught thing to do. 
yeah um never gonna be a good plan but unfortunately a plan often followed through with <laughs> so this is uh the tricky tale of augusta olmez and cesar frank so the one thing that you got to know about Augusta is that in the classical community, you know, in, in the canon, what we would refer to Miss Olmez as is just an opera baddie, plain and simple, or a classical music baddie. Let's do that. Get it. Because in at the time, she is actually pretty well known as a composer in her own right. Um, but because she is a woman, she is not allowed to study at the Paris Conservatoire, so she ends up taking um, kind of private study with César Franck in her late 20s. And she must have just been one hell of a woman because, like Alma, men are falling in love with her left and right. Wait, how old um, is Franck at this time? Just oh, oh, I will get into that. Don't you worry. <laughs> but just, just know, she has a history of lia- liaisons and affairs and lovers. And so, you know, she's got her pick of the litter. But she's studying under César Franck. And like pretty much a lot of other composers uh, who are just trying to get with Augusta, he falls in love with her. And this is very problematic for two reasons. One being that at this point, she's in her late 20s and he is well into his 50s. So, Oh, see, I, I forgot to say that about... Alma and Gustav, which is that they were 19 years apart. Yeah, just... How very Leonardo DiCaprio of them. Exactly. Like, (laughs) we're already off to a very icky start. Um, And I know these times, these times are different, okay? Whatever. It was more normal back then. I don't think so, really. Still gives me the ick. Still gives me the ick. No, can I... I'm gonna jump in here to say, I, I read a study somewhere, and I'll have to find it, but age gaps were actually not as common as we think throughout most of these times. Like, sometimes, especially in second marriages, you would see it. But actually, there are quite a few people who married well within their age. Like, this concept we have that men were, like, very regularly 20, 30 years older than the people they married. Uh, sometimes true, but mo- uh, not that common amongst people who were not marrying into power, if that makes sense. Arranged marriage is more likely to have a, an age gap than, like, common people marriages. And this that's is not fair. that era. So I'm just saying some people would have found it weird even then. Yeah, so that's reason number one. Already giving me the ick. Obviously, the second reason is that uh, Frank is already married. Uh, so <laughs> classic, of course. This is this is just your classic recipe for a disaster. Um, so obviously, you know, Frank's like, oh, my God. I got the hots for this. This Augusta woman, what am I going to do? And like any composer, you know, uh, he pulls to the classic card um, where he wants to communicate to these burning desires through music. So fast forward to 1879. He is premiering his piano quintet in F minor. Ooh, sad boy. And uh, the audience likes it. It's, it's well received. It's great. Except for two people. Obviously, number one being Frank's wife, Felicité. She, there is just nothing stronger than a woman's intuition, okay? We are like bloodhounds in this way. We're going to sniff out whatever the heck is going on behind the scenes. And she already knew that it was written with another woman in mind. And she, she had no <laughs> this, problem This music doesn't represent me. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> yeah. This is exactly. some young hope music. Literally, exactly. She was <laughs> like, what, what is this thirst trap? sir her her husband and, is suddenly listening to like pop music and she's like he never likes this music 
Who are yeah, you? Exactly. Who are you trying yeah. to pick up? Literally, he's got his playlist on hand. So she's like, <laughs> definitely about somebody else. Definitely not about me. I am pissed. So obviously not her favorite piece he's ever written. Oh, well. Without a doubt. The second angry person, of course, uh, you have to keep in mind is Camille Saint-Saëns. Now, the backstory of this is that Camille Saint-Saëns was like Franck in that he was hopelessly in love with Augusta wanted to marry her so desperately, had proposed and asked for her hand in marriage several times, was shot down every time, and Frank decides to kind of be a little bit of an asshole and has not only the piece dedicated to Camille Saint-Saëns, which is about his thirst trap for Augusta, but also has him play the piano at the premiere. Hilarious. Which to me is like the greatest, like, just mastermind plot just the biggest f you to Camille Saint-Saëns so Saint-Saëns figures out that it's secretly written for Olmez and you know being in love with her and having all of these rejected advances of of wanting to marry her after the piece you know Frank steps out uh normally you would shake hands you know with the with the soloists and Saint-Saëns is like absolutely not he does a big old dramatic exit from the stage, does not shake Frank's hand. And I don't, Augusta Holmes and Cesar Frank never even like get together. So it's just shooting your shot in front of your wife and basically like giving a big F you to another prominent composer and not getting the girl. Like it serves them right, to be honest. It's even funnier when you consider that like most people believe that Cesar was, he was definitely queer, um, but a lot of people believe that he was gay <laughs> because he was known for spending time with young men. Yeah, probably uh, open to more to more than than just men. Which which just makes it the most French situation I've ever heard. Oh yeah, guy totally. hitting on this woman in front of his wife next to his friend who is in love with this woman, but probably lead a little towards more towards men. <laughs> you don't you don't get more French than that. No. It's literally the most Parisian story of all time. So we love it. So that concludes the story of shooting your shot in front of your wife. That's why they used to call it like having a Parisian sexuality. Seems only yeah, right. Yeah, classic. Classic composer move really is writing music and being like, <laughs> your wife sitting there being like, this isn't written for me. Rude. It also just makes me laugh because I'm like, how successful was this tactic that people would listen to a piece and just be like, all right, you got me. Say less. <laughs> Never forget Janacek and his love letters. True, but like, if you're already married and you're going off some some young hottie, how often is that really going to work? <laughs> like, why is that the typical component? No, I'm saying it Schmoo. didn't work out for Janacek. I think this probably didn't work for most people. Yeah, but they keep using it, Jesse. They they don't they don't look at the evidence. They don't look at the cold hard facts. <laughs> the other funny part about it is it takes a decent amount of time to write a piece and then premiere it. So by the time you've actually written the piece, that pro- person's probably married, or was already facts. married. <laughs> so yeah. I don't I don't know if they expected it. I think they just fell in love for the sake of writing more music. Personally, <laughs> <laughs> falling oh in love simply simply to get yourself to write. Yeah, true. Uh, a, a real toxic way to overcome writer's block. <laughs> Tox- toxic ways to to be artistic. Oh gosh! So obviously we've talked about some you know classic figures in music history. So let's jump forward in time to um, more contemporary people, which of course uh, leads me to John Cage. I admittedly I didn't know a ton about 
John Cage, actually, until we started doing this podcast, the more I read about him, he's absolutely fascinating and just a very interesting man. But, you know, he was married to artist uh, or is married. Don't know how it would have to fact check that. No, divorced in 1940s. Cool. Was married to Xenia Kashavarov, who was the daughter of a Russian priest in 1935. They ended in 1940, as Jesse says. Um, but before he got married to Xenia, he had an ongoing relationship with uh, Don Sample, as well as an affair with the wife of an architect, Rudolf Schindler. Obviously, his sexuality was clearly fluid. And I found this interesting because, honestly, I didn't know anything about that aspect of John Cage's life. So I just thought that that was a fun, fun tidbit. I don't want to say that he was, like, not out, per se, but just, like, not something that we talk about all the time. It's complicated by the fact that he got divorced in part because there are definitely, you know, varying ways we could describe the sexuality of John Cage. It's kind of unimportant in the picture, in the larger scheme of things, because his partner for most of his life was Merce Cunningham, who is a man uh, and a very, very famous choreographer, like fundamentally changed dance in this era. So if you don't know who Merce Cunningham is, now you do. But... Bigger than all of that is the fact that he had a life partner who he was deeply, deeply in love with. And while I was looking up John Cage and kind of exploring all of this, like like I said, I don't think it's necessarily even important to define um, his sexuality because, like, this is the love of his life. And I read some of his letters to Merce Cunningham, and they are so beautiful. So I'm going to read a couple tidbits from those letters because it's just so special. Um I'm unsentimental, but I'm sitting at one of our tables looking in a mirror where you often were. I don't know. This gravity-elastic feeling to let go and fall together with you is one thing, but it is better to live exactly where you are with as many permanent emotions in you as you can muster. Talking to myself. Your spirit is with me. Stunning. Right? I think of you all the time and therefore have little to say that would not embarrass you. For instance, my first feeling about the rain was that it was like you. Love you. Oh. I get terribly lonesome for you. I nearly left this earth a few minutes ago. Ecstasy. Word from you. Pretty soon I'll write music for you. Your letters I just plain love. They bring you so close that at any moment I expect the door will open and you will see me camouflaged in enigmatic home built on shoes you made. Wow. And then, like, my absolute favorite little thing at, at the... Uh, there's one paragraph, but the ending of this letter is actually what gets to me. Um, I like to believe that you're writing my music now. God knows I'm not doing it because it simply seems to happen. The Pratissimo is incredible the way you are and is perhaps a description and song about you. Pardon the intrusion, but when in September will you be back? I would like to measure my breath in relation to the air between us. Stunning. And that's just the thing. Like, that's, that's the letter of someone who, like, is and continues to be just so deeply in love. Um, love it. So regardless of, of what you would identify that as, like, that's the love of his life, no doubt. And the pictures of them together are very, very cute. But go go and read their entire books of, of his letters. I couldn't find any going the opposite direction, but you you don't need to. I, I sometimes feel sheepish when we get into people's letters to one another because it's so private and those are so beautiful, but so intensely personal. But I guess uh, if you take anything from that, just just know that you all deserve someone who loves you like that. Love it. Oh, that's a, isn't that the sad lost art of, of letter writing? Is that um, nobody's going to remember texts and emails these days, nor do many people even talk to one another like that anymore. It's kind of sad. That's right. Write your person a love letter. 
Write your friends a love letter. It's so fun. I make a story. Letters. Make historians question if you and your friends were getting it on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Keep them on their toes from beyond the grave. Love it. Yeah, let's let's uh, I I can summarize this a couple ways. Don't shoot your shot in front of your wife. Uh don't ever stifle the passions of the people you care about. Love whoever you love and write them beautiful letters. Friends or lovers or anything in between. Amen. Love it. Well, thanks for for getting into the little juicy uh romantic tidbits the friend zones, if you will, of today's episode. Uh, like we said, we have a couple of posts uh, and polls up in our story, so go check that out. Don't forget about our upcoming kind of Valentine's Day-themed watch party coming up on Saturday, February 25th, and we will see you guys next week. Bye! Bye!